Well, good morning on a much warmer day. It's crazy. As a San Diego kid, I never thought I would think 30 was warm, but it's warm. (laughs) It is warm. Well, uh, let us pray. Lord, we we thank you for you. Pray that we'd feel the weight of that, to just be thankful for you. to be mindful of you. What do you want to say to us today? Help us listen and engage you. Your promises are true and you say that you're here. So I ask that uh, we'd be aware of you, we'd have the courage to engage you, receive what you have for us. But more importantly, Lord, we just want to enjoy being in your presence with one another. So we ask that you would um, speak life through your word this morning. We'd hear only what you want us to hear. We ask in Jesus' name that you would remove anything in our hearts that's not of you right now that would try to uh, rob us of what you have. And I pray no matter what condition our hearts were when we came in, we would feel the sweetness of your spirit this morning the gentleness and the tenderness um, of a father who loves his children. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're going to continue in chapter 12 of Romans. Um, We mapped out the rest of Romans and the end is coming. Uh, It's coming. But... We want to continue to stay present in what God is doing. And I just want to remind us again, especially if there's guests with us today, that remember our pursuit into Romans is to really understand as a Christian, as a Christian, how do I live in the tension that this world produces? How do I live in the tension of the world pulling me this way, Jesus pulling me that way? How do I live in attention in such a way that Jesus is magnified in my life? And Romans gives us that opportunity because the culture in Rome at that time is not too dissimilar to where we are today. (laughs) Everything goes, philosophies and ideas and thoughts about life all over the place, all conflicting with one another, a hodgepodge of a bunch of different things. And how do we, with Jesus, navigate that kind of world? Well, one, we have to be his. Paul says that in Romans 1.1. I, Paul, a slave to Christ, meaning to choose to have no choice, meaning we've relinquished control of our life and given it to him because we trust and love him and we want to go where he goes. And it doesn't matter where. (laughs) That needs to be our posture every day. Jesus, what do you want to say? Where do you want to go? The reason why we have these questions again, and I remind us again, because I know they can get irritating to hear. If it gets irritating to hear, Lord, what do you want to say? And how do you want me to respond? Good. It means it's sinking in. How many have been told growing up, your parents say the same thing for your benefit over and over. And you're like, oh my gosh, I know, I know. Just be quiet. (laughs) Who's Right? And then you find out, oh, now you're a parent. And guess what? Now you're saying that stuff because you know how valuable it is to you. This is valuable. Being under the lordship of Christ is what we are meant to do. 
is to be with him and go where he goes. So we're going to continue to do that to the best of our ability through his Holy Spirit as we go through, uh, continue to go through chapter 12. And we're actually finishing chapter 12 today. And I'm, I, I'm, uh, we're going to be going through verses 14 through 21, but we're focusing on a few. So some of you may go, well, we didn't say this and we didn't say that. Yep, that's probably going to be true. But we're picking out, we're praying about the tensions that are, are most valuable right now to us where we're at. And remember, the tensions that we've pulled out of, out of the last couple of years is not an exhaustive list. Okay, How many have read a pass, passage in, in Scripture a thousand times and you get a different implication almost every time you read it? Okay, There's, These are not, it's not an exhaustive list. So I want to encourage you to continue in this pursuit in Romans. So the things that we don't cover, that's okay. You go in and, and you ask the Lord what he wants to say as you're reading some of it. And see what God highlights to you. Is that good? We good there? All right. So if you would, open your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to start at verse 14 this morning. And I'm going to read through this, but we're going to camp mostly in verses 17 and then 19 through 21. Here we go. You ready for this? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, when I read these, how did this make you feel? Yeah, are you kidding? Who's in that camp? Surely there's some fine print that gets me out of this, depending on my circumstances and situation. How many are in that camp? Surely, there's, there's something here where I can strike back. Now, this is a tension in our world today. It's always been a tension. But now it's heightened on different levels and different circumstances and in different ways. You have lashing out, revenge taking, all kinds of stuff now on social media. You have it in the normal means of life. We're easily offended. We cut people off. All kinds of stuff when we are hurt. 
when the enemy is at our gates and we justify our behavior. I mean, I know I do. You hit me, man, I'm going to try to lay you out depending on how big you are. (laughs) Turn the other cheek. (laughs) I'm justified by this. You wronged me. So eye for an eye. Man, is that taken out of context? But you can see it on all different levels in life. To the smallest, to the most obvious. But what is the role of the Christ follower when those things happen? What is our posture to be? Guess what? This may be hard to hear for some of us. You are not entitled to your version of justice. I hate that. My justice looks pretty good. But here's the deal. An offense in response to an offense never produces love. It doesn't. It makes it worse. No matter how much we tell ourselves we're justified by this. And how we respond in revenge isn't always an offensive. Sometimes it's retreating. Sometimes it's just getting away, cutting off. There's so many different ways in which we lash out and we pick which tool that will be that will fill that offense. But Paul is saying here, and remember, he has been talking about love and love must be sincere. Meaning we need to love in a genuine way the way God loves us. And guess what Jesus did on the cross while we were killing him? He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. What? You mean he didn't lash out? He didn't call down the angels to slay us? No, he didn't. Because bottom line, his love for us is justice. It's a challenging reality. And I've struggled with this passage. I remember it since I was a kid. Um, in, In the spirit of full disclosure, I was bullied and picked on all my life. And tried to pretend it wasn't there, too. Which only makes you look dumber. (laughs) And I mean, brutally. uh, Jumped by gangs. I was, uh, for, for standing up for people. I mean, I was a little guy, too. So it didn't help when I was picking a fight with a guy who was 6'4". He was probably only 5'2", but I was so tiny. 5'2", seemed like 6'4". And had so many friends uh, betray me because they felt, and this is true, too nice. He's too nice. He doesn't want to do the things we want to do. And awful things happen. I had some friends that accepted Christ in my house, in my house with my family. And because they felt I was too nice and I, I wouldn't approve or wouldn't join them in some of the things they wanted to do even after receiving Christ... They would come, they'd egg my house, they would do all kinds of terrible things, start rumors, horrible things. Now, I'm just using this as one example. You better believe, after years of that, I had some plans. Now, not crazy, but just, how's justice happen here? What does that look like? Because it's one thing to get after me, it's another when you involve my family. I think many of us would feel that way. Yeah, 
pick on me all you want, but once you bring in the people I love the most, game over. The gig is up. Now, God puts people in your lives from all different places that would be unassuming that help you in this process. And I had one friend who was friends with all these other people, and he did not approve. He said he did not approve of what they were doing. He told them all this stuff. And I remember one day when I found out all this stuff was happening, we had... Um, it was going to be our first day of uh, getting our football gear and all this. And I knew who offended me. I knew who went after my family. I knew who orchestrated this attack on my house and all of this stuff. And I was going to blindside. I don't fight fair. I mean, you're not 5'2 and you fight fair. I, no. No. And he saw me. He saw my buddy. saw what I was about to do. And these t- two individuals were standing in front of me and I had my football helmet. And I was going to bam when they weren't looking. It's probably the only chance I had. And he literally, he sees me go like this. He picks me up and goes, no, we don't. And he puts me on his shoulder and I'm kicking and screaming. And he's I'm like, oh, let me at him. He's like, no, 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 no. And he takes me out of the building. And he sits me down. He goes, this is not who you are. Now, he, he wasn't living the Christian life, but he respected that I was trying to. And he said, this is not who you want to be, and this is not going to help the situation. And man, was he right. Because offense and response to offense never produces love or life or healing, ever. And that wouldn't have done anything but take my character and... Do you know how much shame I would live in for just a moment of justice relief? (laughs) It had been awful. And I, had a, I have a father who, since I was young, you know, said, blessed, do not curse. Blessed, do, what does that mean? Blessed, do not curse. I hate that person. I don't want good things for them. <laughs> do you love Jesus? Yeah, but that doesn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> it has everything to do with it. We bless, we do not curse. We bless, we do not curse. Ugh. I got so tired of hearing that. And when the offense became so deep... So hard. How do you bless? How do you want God's favor on that life that is taking things from you? Because when we look at the word persecute, it means that someone that is hunting you down, that is aggressively chasing you. When someone, when someone does something evil to you, the word evil that Paul uses means a foul, rotten stench. Something foul and rotten, disgusting. I mean, how many have smelled rotten food? And you're like, oh. I mean, that's what we're talking about. And when someone does something like that to you and violates every boundary in your life, how do we respond and to want to see God's favor on their life? But here's the deal. It's the only thing that can create change. Love is the only thing that creates. Because creation in itself, the concept of Creating came from a God who is love. And this is what we're going to talk a lot about today. Because to me, it's one of the few things that makes sense to what, why Paul is saying what he's saying. Well, why can't I avenge myself or the people I love? Why can't I curse someone when they're hurting me? Why? It's not just so we look good morally. It's because it does something when we respond in the heart of God, which is love, it creates, it puts an end to something and creates another, which is life-giving. 
So 1 John 4 tells us that God is love, love is God, correct? Love is not created. Love is not just an expression or a feeling or emotion. It is the very presence of God. He cannot not be love. He is. And so when he creates, he creates from what? Love. And that love changes an atmosphere. It changes hearts. It's what it does. It creates something and puts an end to something else. How many remember their encounter with God for the first time? Okay. And when you encountered love, what did that do to you? Tell me. It, it destroys and it creates. Right? That's why we call it what? Born again. There's a birthing process. That's why baptism is such a powerful experience because it's down with the old, up with the new, that God creates through how he loves. And it destroys that which once was and now births something new. So if I see a homeless person on the road and I feed them, I have now put an end to what was, even for a moment, and now something new has been created, and it comes from love. And what does love do? It transforms. Now, that's a small example, but there's deaths and births every single day. There's an uh, older philosopher slash theologian who has a quote that has been haunting me in a really good way, and it's got some big words and... It, but I'll say it in layman's terms. But this is what he says. He says, every truly creative act of man must be regarded as an eschatological act which ends this world and inaugurates a new one. Meaning this, eschatological, the, the study of the end of times or the end of something. And he's saying every time in the context of love, that we create, meaning we're obedient to Jesus, that we are an expression of his heart. It puts an end to whatever is happening in front of you and creates something new and beautiful out of love. And he continues to say this, each truly creative act is a historical fulfillment, a coming of the end, a transcending and transforming of the spellbound, stricken world of ours. Meaning this, it's the same thing. When we step in with him and we love in response to whatever's around us, it creates something. It births something. Think about your relational encounters. The first time you meet someone that ends up being a good friend or that really blesses you, it puts to end however you were feeling there. It changes it and then births something new. Now, I'm not saying those changes are always sustaining and always stay the same. They don't because we have to choose to stay with Christ in those things. But love, what it does is it changes whatever's in front of you when we step in with love and partner with love. So when we partner with Jesus, no matter who we're, who's in front of us and no matter what we think we're owed, something will be put to death in a good way and birthed that will breathe life. So when Paul is saying, do not repay anyone evil for evil, 
Bless those who persecute you. Feed your enemy. Those are what? Love responses. Do you know why that when we do that, it's like heaping hot coals on someone's forehead? It's because they know they don't deserve it. Because what you're doing is presenting a contrast they don't choose to live in. When someone is doing evil to you, and they're knowingly doing evil to you, and you respond in love, do you think there's a contrast? Yes. Now, going back to my story, one of these guys, when, when my buddy brought, literally picked me up, got me out of there, a month later, I was driving to church, and one of these guys that it was brutal to me was coming up the road going 120 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. He spun out, crashed right in front of me. We had a wall uh, dividing us, and if that wall wasn't there, he would have gone right into me. Immediately, the Lord says, go to him. Okay. So I turn around. I go. I do everything I can. He's okay. So we, I stay with him for hours trying to figure out all this stuff. Do you know what that did? That whole little group of guys that were trying to do all these things toward me, it stopped because this one individual experienced something from Jesus and told the ringleader, who remember accepted Christ in my house, did all these things against me, and this one guy said to the ringleader, we're done messing with him. We're done. This guy said, why? He said, because... He's treated me a heck of a lot better than you've ever treated me just by making sure I was okay. Now, that's not me. That was Jesus. Believe me, I wanted to leave him there. But you know, when Jesus gets a hold of you, you can't. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to fight back with the creator of all things. But it changed the atmosphere. And it, I tell you, that ringleader, he felt the coals. Because now the people around him that were his guys were convicted that there's, there's something they were operating in they shouldn't be operating in. See, that was justice. Because love had the first word. Love was the response. And it produced a sense of justice I couldn't do if I had just left him there. Because God's justice wants to, on this earth, bring change. He wants us to be Transformed. And when there are things there are things in the political environment, the social environment, that we feel as Christians that we need to be up against and this and that, that's not your mandate. Your mandate, our mandate, is to love in the midst of all of this. With each and every person, no matter what they think or feel about you. And that's a hard reality. But that's what Jesus did. He walked amongst people that were against him, that were hunting him down. And with every encounter with people that were enemies, guess what? He loved them. It doesn't feel fair. It doesn't feel elegant or pretty or what you imagined. But when we partner with Jesus, he goes beyond what we imagine. And then we begin to see that our attempts oh, are futile. They don't even come close. What does it do to someone that's against you when you feed them and clothe them when they're in need and they know they don't deserve it from you? Why don't we ask 
Paul. And his encounter with Christ. Love in the midst of the evil he was doing. It transformed him. Think about your own story. Whether you grew up in the church or didn't. And the encounter with Jesus in the midst of our sin. What does it do? It transforms us. The The cross is about all of this. Scripture tells us that we were enemies of God. Because we're slaves to sin. And he still responded in the greatest example of love in history. And he put to death something. He put to end, he put an end to something and created something so that we could step into new life. That's what love does. And the enemy cannot create out of nothing, he can only distort. Jesus is the one that creates because it comes from a place of love. True creation comes from a place of love. In love, out of love, from love himself, for love. And it puts a stop to the pattern. Don't take revenge. Evil for evil. Because this world will tell you that you're due and entitled to that justice. And we even try to encourage one another in that. Because we think we're owed that. I'm not. I've given my life to Jesus. And he says to me and to you that your response to injustice is to continue to love. And here's how we can do that. He lays it out. He says, let me show you what some of that love looks like. When your enemy needs provision, provide. What? When evil is at your door, you don't, combat, you don't combat it with evil of your own, curses of your own. You love and you bless. And it doesn't feel good at the time. But not only does it do something to them, it shakes the spiritual realms. Because everything good in this world comes from love himself. Every good and perfect gift. And the goodness that we see in here, combat evil with good, is the divine goodness that comes from love himself. And that means we have to continue to partner with him, walk with him, be with him, engage him. Remember, Jesus is all that matters before anything else can matter the way it should. Because guess what? He creates and brings life into those things that we think matter so much. They don't matter the way they could when we're with Jesus and we see things through his eyes and not just our own. Now, the one thing when we engage individually and as a body and these kind of things is that we will be hyper aware as soon as we leave this place. Of these kind of situations. God may have someone on your mind. That has been an enemy to you. That has wronged you. That has done something to you. And I want you to ask the Lord who that is. And then I want you to ask the Lord. What does he want to say? You know what he wants you to do. In a sense. But what does he want to say about how you do that? And I guarantee you this. It will be uncomfortable. You won't really want to do it at first. If you're honest with yourself. 
You might get to a place where you want what he wants, and that's great. But if you isolate yourself for a second, you go, I don't want to do this. And we may fail at it, but God's grace is there as we continue to move towards him and stay with him to help us learn, because this has to be practiced. And you got to go one step at a time. This, is, this doesn't always happen quickly. I mean, I have an offense in my life from someone from 12, 13 years ago that I am still ah, trying to bless that person every time they come to mind and pray for them. That's very hard. But it's what we're meant to do. If we as Christians do that, and then we do that as a body collectively, the old unhealthy things of how we may have operated as a church in America begin to die, and God births something new because of love. And that's what will change everything, because it has. It's given us hope and a way to be with him always. You with me here? So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your son who has shown us in a world against us what love can do and how it transforms. So, Lord, I pray that um, you would ignite our courage through your Holy Spirit as we ask the question, Lord, who in my life that I want to curse, that I want to seek revenge upon, who in my life do I need to approach in love, even from a distance, even in prayer, even the way I think about them? Lord, may we stand with you in courage and in hope in those places. We just don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. That person hurt me too dear. I don't want to be there. But that's where you live. That's where redemption and reconciliation and new life begins. And, and Lord, we want to be an extension of your heart. So we pray your grace and mercy upon us as we endeavor to love those who are hard to love. And we posture ourselves with you in such a way that any encounter we have with them will be life changing for them and for us. So we ask God that you'd protect us, that we know that you're there and that you continue to put the right people around us at the right time and place that may need to throw us over their shoulder and say, this is not you. Jesus is who you want. So let's try this again. We thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Oh, Lord. 